In the name of God, our Holy Father and Blessed Mother. Amen. Most people enjoy a good magic show. Whether it's a sleight of hand or an optical illusion, we are delighted when we see the impossible. Or do you remember those posters known as magic eye art? At first glance, it's just visual nonsense, but if you stare at it long enough, a three-dimensional shape emerges. Now, artistically speaking, they were pretty bad, but people bought them in droves and put them on their walls because they loved the idea of seeing something more deeply. And there are also times when our vision limits us. When you're up in a plane and you look out the window, it really sort of does look like the earth is flat because you can see up to a certain point and then it just stops. In that example, our sense of vision limits what we can truly know about reality. In today's readings, our vision of both what we can and cannot see is called into question. In John, the question of vision revolves around a man who had been born blind, but whose sight is restored by Jesus. Now, it's a long passage, and it's not the focus of the sermon, so I want to just focus on one facet of it. In Greek thought at the time, and the societies that were influenced by it, our eyes did not receive light white waves from the world, and then we process it in our brains. No, rather the eyes were thought to emit light, and that's what allowed us to see. Elsewhere in scripture, we read, The eye is the lamp of the body, and that's the logic behind it. This completely changes the meaning of what Jesus teaches when he says, I am the light of the world. He's saying that what allows us to see the world properly as God's good creation is not something inside of us, but rather something that has been given to us. If we try to see by our own light, we will miss the obvious and see things dimly. Just because we think that we see something does not mean that what we are seeing is not an illusion. And we all know that this is true. Whether it's the news, reading poetry, or doing theology, our vantage point influences what we see. Two people can look at exactly the same situation and see it so very differently based on their personality or experience or mood or bias. When Jesus says that he is the light of the world, he is saying that he is what allows us to see most fully and properly a world that is full of God's grace, mercy, and love. This is a challenge, though, for those in power, those who are used to setting the vision that others will have to follow. This is why the temple authorities argue with Jesus. Surely we are not blind, are we? To which Jesus says, well, now that you've said that you see, your sin remains. As odd as it sounds, we are often blinded by our vision. Case in point, Consider the anointing of King David that we heard about in 1 Samuel. Saul had been the king of Israel. 
but was deficient and rejected. So God sends the prophet Samuel to the household of Jesse to anoint one of his sons as the next king over Israel. But God doesn't tell Samuel which son to anoint. So Samuel does what is only natural. He begins with the one who looks the part, Eliab. But God tells Samuel, no, not that one. And then adds the qualification, do not look on his appearance or his height. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. The point being, we do not see as God does. Whether it's a faulty first impression, our ignorance or prejudice, or simply our limited or selfish perspective, we don't know it all. As St. Paul put it in one of his letters, we see through a glass dimly. You all know that I like to quote a poem from Elizabeth Barrett Browning. Earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God, but only they who see take off their shoes. The rest sit round and pluck blackberries. Problem is that we are so distracted and blinded by life that we miss what's all around us. Some studies suggest that as much as 80% of our impression of our world is based on sight. And so if we are looking for meaning in the wrong places, or interpreting what we see incorrectly, or not perceiving the grace of God among us and within us, well then we end up unable to come and see the difference that Christ makes. And as far as what it is that we're supposed to come and see, we turn to one of the most well-known passages in all of Scripture, the 23rd Psalm. This Psalm helps us attune our vision to the light of Christ, who is our good shepherd. First, we are told that the Lord makes us to lie down in green pastures as we are led beside still waters. When was the last time that you were able to notice how lush and abundant God's love is. If you were to describe our world, would it be as a green pasture or a barren desert? Now to be clear, I know that people still get cancer diagnoses. I know that there's a war in Ukraine. I know that racism and sexism continue to plague our society. I know that just as it seemed like the economy was maybe getting back on track, we've heard in the news bank runs this past week. Faith is not a pair of rose-colored glasses that we're supposed to put on and just pretend that everything is okay, even when it is not. But faith does impact how we see the world. We know from the very start of Scripture that when God looked upon creation, he called it good. We know from Jesus that God so loves the world, and we are assured that he is with us always, even unto the end of the age. And yes, life can be a challenge. Yes, we still deal with the ways in which sin corrupts and distorts our vision and our world. But that does not mean that all is lost or hopeless. Jesus is the light of the world. And so even in those dark valleys and in the shadow of death, we have no need to fear because the Lord is with us. 
The question is whether or not we see ourselves in these green pastures of God's providence and drinking from the streams of God's love. St. Augustine famously said that our hearts are restless until they rest in God. Well, if there's an overarching diagnosis to describe our society right now, it would be that we have a case of restless hearts. Some search for peace in a bank account so large that they think it will be enough to protect them from whatever happens. Others look for meaning with impressive job titles. Some focus on physical appearances or interesting hobbies that will make them worthy of being admired. Others turn to drinks, gambling, or other physical pleasures to distract them from the difficulties of life. But the problem with all of this striving and searching is that we are trying to get something. We think that the secret to having a restful heart is having a thing. Money, power, answers, awards, the perfect online profile. And we think that once we get our hands on that thing, that finally we will get some peace. But life is not about having. It's about being. Psalm 23 is not about what we have. It's about where we are and who we are with. God puts us in green pastures. God is with us in deep valleys. God anoints us with oil and fills our cups so that they overflow. These are metaphors of abundance. There is no limit to God's forgiveness, no boundary to God's love. And yet we spend so much of our time trying to count what is infinite to see if we have more of it than someone else. We focus our sights on what we have instead of who we are, God's beloved. We do not see as God would have us to see. The psalm concludes on the note that God's goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's a way of saying that all that we have has been taken care of so that we could simply rest in God. God gives us what we need so we can focus on being. It's simple. It's just not necessarily easy. The gift that we are given in Jesus is that we are loved, redeemed, and accepted. Full stop. We do not have to earn these things. Rather, we get to enjoy them. But one of the hardest things for us in faith to accept is that we have been accepted. We live in such a consumeristic and meritocratic society that we are so afraid that we will be discovered as an imposter of being canceled, of being rejected, that simply being accepted and being loved is a challenge for us. In faith, there's no to-do list because everything that needs doing has already been done by Jesus. He is our good shepherd who laid down his life for the flock. But when we see faith incorrectly, we overlook this. Too often faith is seen as something we have to prove or demonstrate so that the world will know that we are on the good list. We see other streams and pastures and we think, 
you know, maybe that would give me rest for my soul. We find ourselves in a dark valley, unable to see what is in front of us, and so we search for some light of our own making. Instead of remembering that our good shepherd is with us and has a rod and a staff, so maybe we should be paying attention not to what we can see, but what we feel in terms of being prodded and nudged along the way. Do we focus on the path as we see it? Or do we trust that our good shepherd can see further than we can and follow him? As we're closing in on the final weeks of Lent, Consider what you spend your time looking at. Cast your eyes on Jesus, and in him come and see the love that is always with us and gives us rest for our souls.